Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message.
Good morning. Today's scripture is from the Hebrew Bible, uh, from the book of Amos, chapter 8, verses 1 to 12. This is what the Lord God showed me, a basket of summer fruit. He said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. The songs of the temple shall become wailings in that day, says the Lord God. The dead bodies shall be many, cast out in every place. Be silent. Hear this, you that trample on the needy and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath, so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the ephah small and the shekel great <clears throat> and practice deceit with false practices, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob Surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Since shall, excuse me, shall not the land tremble on this account and everyone mourn who lives in it and all of it rise like the Nile and be tossed about and sink again like the Nile of Egypt? On that day, says the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on all the loins and baldness on every head. I will make it like the mourning for an only son and the end of it like a bitter day. The time is surely coming, says the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. Come gather round people wherever you roam. And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are Come writers and critics who prophesize with your pen Keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon, for the wheel's still in spin And there's no telling who that it's naming For the loser now will be later to win For the times they are a change 
Some senators, congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway, don't block up the hall, for he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled. There's a battle outside and it's raging. It will soon shake your windows and rattle your walls, for the times they all are changing. Come mothers and fathers throughout the land, don't criticize what you can't understand. Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. Your old road is rapidly aging. Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand. For the times they are a-changing. The line in is drawn. It is cast. Slow one now will later be fast. As the present now will later be past. The order is rapidly fading. And the first one now will later be last. For the times they are a change. Join me in the words of preparation. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our redeemer. And I saw it when the reading was happening. What was Pastor Kristen thinking? This lady's here trying to get herself uninvited. Uh, it's true, that Amos passage is rough. But I heard that you were a congregation that liked a challenge, so I figured you were up for it. So, but before we get too into the weeds, will you pray with me? God, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken. And whether we come with willing hearts or with stubborn ones, help us to receive. Amen. Not sure if you saw the 2012 Avengers movie. Back then it was just called The Avengers. Uh, it's before we had The Avengers Infinity, The Avengers Last Dance, The Avengers uh, on and on, Endgame and Age of Ultron. There's been a lot of Avengers, but this was The Avengers. And there's this scene, it is my, I am a little bit of an angry person. Uh, and so there's this scene that I really love uh, things are going badly, and Captain America says, Dr. Banner, now might be a good time to get angry. And as uh, Bruce Banner, the Hulk, begins to transform into the Hulk, he says, that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. <laughs> I think what we find in Amos this morning is the slow-burning anger of God over religious and political leaders mistreating the poor and the marginalized, finally boiling over into an all-out giant green hulk ready to smash everything. Now, I know, we are California Christians. We don't really want to hear about a hulk smashing God. Um, 
And for those of you thinking, well, that was just the God of the Old Testament. Uh, bad news, same God, both Testaments. I'm, I'm not poking fun here. I am a pacifist through and through, and so I don't really get down with the idea of God destroying people. But Christianity is a book religion, and this is in the book, and so I think we're going to have to deal with it. So let us set aside just for a moment, we'll get back to it, the part that says, the end has come upon my people Israel, and I will never again forgive them. We'll get back to it, we're not ignoring it, but we're going to set it aside for a second. Hear this, you who trample on the needy and destroy the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over so that we can sell grain, and the Sabbath so that we can offer wheat for sale? Make the ephah smaller, enlarge the shekel, and deceive with false balances in order to buy the needy for silver and the helpless for sandals and sell garbage as grain. It's not looking good. Amos is talking to a people who have lain waste to the poor and needy. The, the ephah, it's a measurement of weight. And the shekel is money. And so they're saying, give people less and charge them more. Taking bread from the mouths of starving children. And they cannot wait for the Sabbath to be over. You're not allowed to sell on the Sabbath. But oh boy, I can't wait for the Sabbath to be over. Then I can get back to swindling people. Then I can get back to exploiting people who are desperate so that I can have financial gain. Can you imagine a world where political and religious leaders take far more than their fair share and leave those in need to suffer? Can you imagine an economy that rewards those in power with more power and who punishes those who are marginalized? Can you imagine business leaders who have amassed unimaginable wealth on the backs of unpaid and underpaid laborers? It's not that unfamiliar, is it? We don't even have to turn on NPR to hear about it. All we have to do is walk outside. The rich get richer, and the poor get poor. It is not looking good. And guess what? That makes God angry. And, and it should. It should make us angry too. You don't have the means to safely raise a child? Well, guess what? Now you also don't have the means to safely and legally have an abortion. You don't have a place to live? That's really a shame. I am sorry about that, but I certainly don't want to see you camped out in my front lawn or in the sidewalk in front of my house. You can't afford food? That might be true, but how could I know that you're not just lazy and cheating the system? These are real things happening in our world, and not things from some fictional dystopian novel. This is real life. No wonder God is going all Hulk on these people. God, through the prophet Amos, is desperately trying to get those in power to pay attention. Wake up, says Amos. This is not okay, and God will not stand for it. Do I think it's hyperbolic? I do. 
I cannot faithfully look at the whole of Scripture and faithfully look at my experience of God and think that God casts people beyond redemption. No life is beyond redemption. But God's people need to hear that the way they are living is unacceptable. So I think the prophet Amos is employing some hyperbole to say, no, really, you need to listen. It's not looking good. Those in our communities, our state, our country, and our world who continue to profit off the misery of others need to know that we will not stand for it. You want to take from the poor and work the desperate to death so that you and your buddy can fly to space for funsies? Not okay. We, as the people of God, will not stand for it. Now, I love self-righteous anger. It's maybe the best kind of anger, right? Um, and it's easy to look around, particularly I'm in Silicon Valley. You guys are here in Berkeley. It's pretty good places, places that are pretty easy to look around and say like, oh, God's talking to you. But most of us here are not without some sort of power or privilege. We look at the big guys in tech. We look at the justices on the Supreme Court, the contribution-driven Congress, and we think, shame on you. And we should think that. But where have you benefited from unjust labor practices? Where have we gotten a little more comfortable at the expense of someone else? Where have privilege and power contributed to our personal success? I'm not suggesting everyone here has it made. But I do think Amos has things to say to us about ways that it's not looking good. I am outraged at the injustice in this world. But what am I really doing about it? God is calling to you this morning. It is not looking good. You're supposed to be different. That is what it means to follow in my name, God says. You must live differently. You're not exempt from acting with justice and compassion when you bear my name. In fact, you're more obligated to act with justice and compassion. And that's part of what was going on in the northern kingdom of Israel in this time. They thought they were untouchable. We're God's people. We're fine. We, we're going to be just fine. God has chosen us, and we're going to keep rolling. Too often I think I have that approach, right? I think, well, like, I'm a foster parent to queer youth. Like, I'm doing my part. You know, like, God doesn't have anything critical to say to me. But there are still pieces of my life that God is calling to me about. And so real actual change is what God is asking from us. And there's good news. There is always grace. Despite uh, what we might have heard from Amos this morning, I'm allowed to disagree with him. Uh, I'm going to do that openly. Um, there's always grace. But in the Wesleyan tradition, even grace is a call to change. 
We have what we call prevenient grace or preventing grace. It's grace that comes before, before we even know we need it. But it's also grace that tells us something is not right. Something is not the way that it ought to be. It's grace that, that calls us to change. It's grace all the same. And it leads us into what we call justifying grace. And that grace says nothing that you do can justify your actions. The ways I have contributed to injustice in the world, there's no justification for that. But God offers grace anyway. God says there is still grace for me and for you, even in the ways that we have participated in oppression, either by action or inaction. And we're not expected to get it right all the time either. There's this thing called sanctifying grace, which says, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to get it wrong again and again and again. And sanctifying grace is going to come along beside us, continuing to form us more and more into the people of compassion and justice that we are called to be. It's not looking good, God says to you this morning, but I have good news. There is grace enough to change. There is grace enough to be changed. Grace enough to live in a new way as people bearing the love of God. May we receive that grace. May we live in that way. Amen.
been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.